We received a question on one of our social media platforms. If believing that you are saved by being baptized was a false teaching. This is called baptismal regeneration. And there are those that believe that you are saved by some kind of works. This is a debate that has gone on in the church, not really a debate in the church, but false teachers that came in saying that you're saved by works and not by faith all the way back to the book of Galatians, to the book of Romans, to the book of Hebrews. And the Bible very clearly has laid these out. But what happens when we get baptized and does that, is that the moment that we are saved? And if it is, if you're not baptized, what does that mean today? Is baptismal regeneration a false teaching? Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to TruthQuest Podcast. This is our new live hot topic. Afterwards, we're going to have a Q&A where you can ask questions about baptism. We want to keep it connected to just that. I want to get my comments up here as well. Uh, where are my comments? There they are. All right, it's good to see you guys. Um, we want to keep it uh, to just questions about baptism. So if you have questions about baptism, then you could put the, uh, the word question in front of your questions, or you could put a question mark there or a Q, write out your question, reread it a couple of times, and then make sure it makes sense. Add any references that you have, and we'll take time to answer them as they come in. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, is baptismal regeneration, the teaching of baptismal regeneration, a false teaching? Are they false teachers if they teach such a thing? Well, first of all, it's I had spent, uh, after I looked at that question and started to write out some answers to it, I spent a little bit watching the videos of those who defend the position that when you are baptized, you are saved. And I noticed that they covered five or six verses, but they didn't cover any verses that would speak against being saved by works. So I want to take time to make our way through this. I want to get to their passages and I want to talk about them, but I want to, to take a look at the, what the Bible has to say about how you and I are genuinely saved. So it's good to see you guys here. Uh, Keith, I can only, I, I just see your comment on here now. I assume there are some other people that are on here. If you are, say hi. All right. And um, let's go ahead and get into this. First of all, the Bible teaches very clearly that we are saved by grace and not by works. We got, we have Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. And I've said before that I'm really glad in the New Testament times that there were all of these arguments about being saved by works because the Bible has made it really clear that we are saved by grace. And it was because of these false teachings during their day. And so Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is a response to this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through, gra uh, through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And here is what I think that, that works-based religion has some kind of a hook in it that draws people in. And that is that they think that they have gotten the information that they need to be saved whether it's going to church on Saturday, whether it's being baptized to be saved, whether it's speaking in tongues to be saved, whether it's going to a certain church to be saved, or some other works-based religion, keeping portions of the law, which always amazes me that there are people that think that they can keep portions of the law and still be saved. But it's clear we're not saved by any works. Now, there are those who are going to say that baptism is not a work. And you've got to know this, though. Those that teach that you're saved by speaking in tongues, they're going to say that's not a work. Those who say that you go to church on the Sabbath to be saved, they're going to say that's not a work. So this is not a unique argument. They just want to come back and take away these verses that tell us clearly we're saved by grace. Grace is undeserved favor. If it's undeserved, I can't do anything for it. In Galatians, it says, if I do works, then it is payment, not grace. If I do something and God goes, you did good, you, uh, you, you uh, were baptized, then uh, it's, it's a payment. Our salvation would be a payment for a work that we do. 
And so it goes on to say here, um, lest anyone should boast, and this is what happens when you have some work-based religion, whatever it is, baptismal regeneration is the same thing. There's an arrogance, there's a boasting that takes place where they start saying, we found the real way to be saved. I had a family member who has since passed away, and he, when we started talking about salvation, it was my stepfather-in-law, and when we start talking about salvation, he claimed that he was saved because he was baptized. I'd known him for a long time, and there was no fruit of salvation, but he was a part of the, a group called the Church of Christ, and you may be aware of them. And I have here from their webpage, their actual statement on how you are saved. I wanted to make sure to read that to you so I didn't misrepresent them at all. But as we talked about it, I realized he didn't know anything else about the Bible. He claimed that Jesus wasn't God. I'm not saying that the Church of Christ teaches that. I'm just saying he himself had been baptized, thought he was saved, and denied the deity of Jesus. And I realized he hadn't really been saved. He hadn't really committed his life to Christ. And so I want to start off by putting this up on the screen for you and let's read it. This is from the International Church of Christ webpage. There are other groups that believe in baptismal regeneration. The Catholic Church believes in part of it. Um, The Lutherans and the Methodists have kind of a part of baptismal regeneration that you got to be baptized and other stuff to be saved. Um, That's not saying that all Methodists believe that or all Lutherans believe that or all Catholics believe that. There are a lot of different Catholics and Lutherans and Methodists that believe different things, and some of them can believe by faith and genuinely be saved. But if they believe that they're being saved because they were baptized, then we don't believe that. So now, here, let me go ahead and read this. Uh, This is, again, the International Church of Christ webpage. You can go there to look at it, and this is their statement on how you're saved. It says, our conversion begins with belief in Jesus Christ. God's, uh, Jesus as God's son. Let me read that from the beginning. Our conversion begins with belief in Jesus as God's son. And in his death and resurrection from the dead, subsequent steps must include unmistakable repentance. So it starts when you believe in Jesus, but there has to be unmistakable steps, um, uh, repentance from sin, embracing discipleship, confession and confession that Jesus is Lord, finally, we become Christians. Now, notice that statement. We become Christians at the miracle of rebirth with our immersion in water for the forgiveness of our sins and the promise that God will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then they give some verses down here that you can come back and you can look at this and you can look them up if you want to. We're going to cover some of these verses in our hot topic uh, today. So uh, let's go ahead and go to our first set of verses. This one I've already read, and that is that we're saved by grace. But look at the second part of this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I love that this verse doesn't just tell us we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, which is undeserved favor. You can't boast in being saved by undeserved favor. I'm saved by grace. And you try to boast on it. You can't because it means undeserved favor. And then it says, not by any works. And then it goes on to say, but however, for we are his workmanship. He's worked in us, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There is a place for works. You are saved, you are transformed, and then you want to do the things that God's called you to do. But it has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with a sign or the fruit that you've really committed your life to Christ. He goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared them before us beforehand, but we are saved by grace, not of any works. Then we go to another, this is unmistakable. There are so many verses, dozens of them, if not hundreds in the Bible that tell us how we are saved and we are saved by faith through grace. I couldn't cover all of them. I just wanted to give you a sample of them. I noticed on the videos that I watched when people were defending the position of baptismal regeneration, but they only covered their verses. They didn't go back and talk about the verses that were problematic to what they were teaching and what they believe about them. I would actually love to hear them do that. Like this verse, John 20, 31. But these are written 
that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in that believing you may have life in his name. It says nothing about baptism. It says believing you may have life in his name. Now they have their verses, and we will look at those near the end of this study. But let me give you another verse. This is another passage that tells us that we are saved by faith. This is John 3, 16 through 18. I know you know John 3, 16, but I want you to see it in context with the following verses that tell us how we're saved. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's the gospel. That's God gave his son. And if we believe in him, we'll have life and we won't perish. And then it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. Again, there it is. If baptism was salvation, all of these passages would add baptism in, but they don't. It just talks about us being saved by faith. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. We are saved when we trust in Christ, when we believe in him, when we begin to live wholeheartedly for him. Let's look at another verse here and forgive the color change here. I had some difficulty as I was putting this together, uh, but this is Romans 10, 9, and 11. Again, this is how we're saved, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. All right, now um, one more, and then we're gonna get on uh, to a couple of points that tell us that baptism is not salvation. So this is another one that we're saved by faith through graces is how we're saved. This, this passage I use often in altar calls, giving people a chance to surrender their lives to Christ. It says, but as many as received him, this means that you have to invite him in, you receive him. He stands at the door and knocks. If you will open that door, he'll come in and dine with you and you with him, dining in their day was fellowship. But as many as receive him, to them, he gives the right to become the child of God, to those who believe in his name. So again, it's believing in his name, not being baptized. Now, before we get to their verses and look at what the, the passages they use to teach baptismal regeneration, I thought it would be good for us uh, to consider, let's see, we got a, a few more verses here. Oh, that we're not saved by works. Let's consider, first of all, those were all how we get saved by believing. But here's a couple passages that tell us, like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we are not saved by works. This is Romans 4 and 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. But to him who does not work, it's not any kind of works, that's Romans 4 and 5. And in this section of Romans, he's dealing with Jews who want people to get circumcised, who want people to become, uh, who want people to become Jewish, to keep the dietary laws. And Paul's just saying, it's not by any those kind of works. They could have said of circumcision, that's not a work. That's just a religious experience that you need to have to be saved, just like they argue about baptismal regeneration today. And then, of course, Ephesians 8 9, which I've already written, um, already gone over. Um, so again, we're talking about works, not being saved by works. We saw that we're saved by believing in Christ. It clearly says in Romans 4, 2 through 4, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him righteousness, not to him who works. The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So Abraham believed God and that covenant was before the law. And it was by grace. Circumcision came later for, for Abraham. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him righteousness. He wasn't circumcised and then saved, and we are not baptized and then saved. So um, a couple more, another passage about works, uh, not by the works of righteousness, which he has done, but let me read that from the beginning, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us. Though through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, undeserved favor, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want to affirm uh, constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. In other words, hey, works follow. That's the proper place for works. These things are good and profitable to men. It's good for us to have that understanding. We're not saying that we don't do anything for God. When we come to Christ, we're transformed. Second Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. And so there is, there are works that follow that show us that he's created us for good workmanship. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look here. All right. So now that was the work section. Now, Paul said that he didn't come to baptize. If that was the gospel, then Paul would have never have said that. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 1, 14 through 17. This is what I would have loved for them to cover in their, in their videos on it when they're covering their verses as to why this doesn't make baptism not a form of salvation. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 14 through 17. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest I should say that I have baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Now, if baptism was salvation, don't you think Paul would be out there baptizing a lot of people? But he says, I didn't baptize any of you because baptism was something that followed salvation. He goes on to say here, um, for Christ did not send me to baptize. That's a very important statement by Paul. If that was the gospel, he would never have said that. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And notice that he removes baptism from the preaching of the gospel. This is a very strong passage and very strong evidence. God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's saying that baptism is not in the gospel. And when we see the gospel summarized in 1 Corinthians 15, baptism is not in there. He goes on to say, not with the words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ would be made of no effect. And then in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he talks about the gospel. He said the baptism wasn't a part of it. God didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And now he says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Again, if he went to preach the gospel and not to baptize, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, not for everyone who is baptized, for the Jew first and then for the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now let's go ahead and take a look at a few of these verses uh, that they use to say that Paul that you are baptized by, um, that you are saved by baptism. I went ahead and made another, uh, another slide here that I want to take a look at. And again, forgive the color difference here. Oh, I got it right. Okay, so this is Acts 2.38. This is a verse that they use to say, this is their main verse, that they use to say that baptism is salvation. Then Peter said to them, this is the sermon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when you read that, it looks like he's saying, repent and and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. But the word for there also means because of. This is really important. Because when you translate a certain word, you can say for meaning because of. In other words, in the Greek, you can read it this way. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because of 
the remission of sins. In fact, I want to go ahead and show you how this was worded. Let me see if I can get back here again. Yeah, how this is worded in the Amplified Bible. So the Amplified Bible takes Greek words and amplifies them. And this helps you to see the, what the Greek word for there means. There's two different words for for. And this one clearly can mean because of. And so this is the way the Amplified Bible translated it. Listen to what it says. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the New King James Version. Now here's the New Amplified. And Peter said to them, repent, change your old way of thinking from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah. See, now they're just expanding the Greek words. And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, that word for can mean because of, and because you came to Christ and you believed in him, now you need to be baptized. And this would speak of the importance of being baptized, that all of us as Christians need to be baptized, but not for salvation. Because we have had the forgiveness of sins, we need to be baptized. Now listen to what it says in Romans 6, 3-4. This is another passage they use. Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism in death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. I want you to notice that this passage doesn't say anything about how you're saved. It's talking about how we live. It says, or do you not know that as many as, as us were baptized into Christ Jesus? Now, the term baptism doesn't always mean immersion by water. And there are a lot of scholars who look at this passage and go, the word baptism here could very well be immersed in Christ. Now, it goes on to say here, into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. I believe that when you go under the water in immersion, that it's a symbol of you dying with Christ. Coming out of the water is a symbol of living in the newness of life. It says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. So we went under that water, buried that old man, that old woman, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So as we come out of the water now, a sign of that resurrection, and we walk in newness of life. Again, this verse doesn't say anything about how you're saved. A couple of other verses here. Um, 1st Peter 3, 1st uh, Peter 3, 21 says, there is also an antitype which saves us, baptism, not the removal of filth from the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Christ. Now, again, there's two words here that we need to make sure we understand. Number one, the antitype is the ark, Right? If you know the context, that's what they're talking about, that they got into the ark and they were saved from the flood. And we know in the Bible, the ark is a type of ark is a type of Christ. And so when he says here, baptism, uh, well, let me read it again. There's an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Now, is that saved, saved by faith or saved by something else? Is that baptism, baptism of water, or baptism of something else? And since we're talking about antitypes, in the boat, they never were baptized. When the children of Israel go through the Red Sea, the Bible says they were baptized into, I don't remember the exact wording, but it uses the term baptized as going through the Red Sea. They were never went under the water. They were under the level of the water, but they never went underwater. So it speaks of it in a different way. Uh, there's a passage that says that women are saved in childbearing. If you just take a verse and you pluck it out of its context and make a statement on it, then you could say, well, women better have babies in order to be saved. But what does that saved mean? And is it talking about something else when it talks about women being saved by childbearing? That's a passage that we'll cover at some point, I'm quite sure. Um, but there's an anti-type which now saves us. Then he says, baptism. And then he says, not the removal of filth from the flesh. He's not talking about washing off dirt from the body. He's not saying that when we're baptized, uh, he is saying when we're baptized, that we don't have the filth of our flesh removed. The word flesh 
is a term that is used to speak of my flesh and my spirit. This isn't the removal of filth from the flesh, not the body and not the flesh that fights against the spirit, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. And if you go back up a little bit in 1 Peter, you see this whole context is about a good conscience. They are saved by this anti-type baptism, which is being immersed and changed, and it has nothing to do with being baptized in order to be saved. It goes on to say, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is probably their strongest passage. And if you didn't have this plethora of other passages that tell us that we are saved by faith, when the Philippian jailer came out and brought Paul out and said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe and be baptized or, or believe and you will be saved. He doesn't say believe and be baptized, but then it goes on and then he got baptized. And again, this speaks to us of the importance of you and I being baptized. So we've talked a little bit about what the purpose of baptism was. It's so that you can identify with Christ. In the Old Testament times, even in the New Testament times, if you wanted to convert to Judaism and you were a Gentile, you had to be baptized as a sign of your old life passing away and of a new life. John the Baptist came along and used this as a point of getting serious with God. And he began to baptize Jewish people. Get ready, make things ready for the Messiah is going to come. And then Jesus began baptizing. And of course, baptism became that sign of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The truth is, is that we are not saved by any works. So to answer the question, yes, anyone who says you have to do something to be saved is a false teacher. It's a false doctrine. Paul is very upset at the Galatians in Galatians chapter one. He says, I marvel that you have so soon turned from the gospel. He had planted the church there. This is, the, this is probably the first book in the New Testament written as the book of Galatians. He had planted the churches in the region of Galatia and then he left and the legalists came in and told them they had to do works to be saved and they believed it. They bought it hook, line and sinker. And Paul writes them the book of Galatians to, to tell them they are not saved by any works. And so he says to them in the beginning, I'm so, I, am, I, I marvel that you have so soon turned from the gospel to another gospel, which is not even a gospel. That's a play on words. I marvel that you so have turned, turned from the good news to another good news, which is not even good news. That you have to do some work to be saved is not good news. What if you have faith in Christ, but don't get baptized? Are you not saved? That's what they say. And they believe that they're saved because they've been baptized. And that can lead to a lot of false conversions. People who think they're saved, like my family member who had not received Christ, didn't know anything really about Christ, but he knew that he had been saved. And once he was saved, I mean, he knew he'd been baptized and believed that that was salvation and believed Quite frankly, by the way, that if you weren't baptized by someone who had been baptized by someone who had been baptized, this is progressional baptism by, by one of the apostles, then you weren't really saved. There's people who say, if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus, you're not really saved. And they have their scriptures too that they go to. But all of these are clear. We are not saved by works. We're saved by believing in him. Think about what Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, he will not die. And even if he dies, he will live. If you believe in Christ, if you're watching this and you've trusted that you're, you're Catholic and you've trusted in the sacraments and the work that you're doing in order to be saved, and this is the official position of the Catholic church. But I want to remind you that there are a lot of Catholics that don't follow the official position. A lot who just believe and trust in Christ. There are, there are a lot of people in, uh, and, and, and may I say also this, that I don't believe that everyone who attends Calvary Chapel is saved either. Who attends the church I pastor is saved either. I think there are some people who think, well, I go to a church, I commit my life to Christ, but they're not living for him. They've never had saving faith. You can have a demonic faith, James said, 
where you believe, the, the demons believed and trembled, but they are not saved, where you believe, but you haven't really committed your life to Christ. You haven't really begun to live for him. Now, James talks about works. He says, show me your faith without your works, and I'm going to show you my faith by my works. He's not saying that works save you. He's saying that they are a fruit, that we are going to have good works because we were created for good works in Christ Jesus. So I hope that this has been helpful, and um, I'm going to answer some questions now. Uh, Let me just go ahead and take a look here and see the questions that you have. I want to stay on topic, by the way. So the questions that I want to answer are questions on baptism. Like any other Q&A that we have, we're doing the best that we can to answer the questions. Um, I'm doing the best that I can. Not saying I've got all of the questions, but trying to look at the scriptures and see what they have to say. All right. So this has been our very first live hot topic, by the way. Many more to come after this. And we'll follow each of our hot topics uh, with a Q&A. So um, again, I'm going to not answer. If Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, we're going to do an open Q&A. So some of these questions that I see on here um, that are not about baptism, uh, I'm not going to be answering, all right? Uh, th- this is, stay on topic. This is a hot topic on whether or not you're saved by being baptized. Uh, so um, let me go ahead and bring in a question here from Emberly. Uh, Empress Kimberly. Emberly is Empress Kimberly, all in one word. So Kimberly says, question, I just learned the baptism of John, the baptism and the baptism of Christians after the resurrection are two different baptisms. Could you explain? I can. So I had said that John took a practice that was a Jewish practice that if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become Jewish, you, one of the things you had to do was be baptized. There were other things that you had to do as well, but one of the things you had to do is be baptized. John took it and turned it into a commitment, making people right and ready, make your the, the paths of your life straight for the Messiah is on his way. The kingdom of God is, is around the corner. And so he told them that they had to be baptized. He baptized them, making things right with them. In the book of Acts, there were a group of people who had only been baptized by the baptism of John. And they took them and baptized them in the name of Jesus because the name of G by being baptized in the name of Jesus is a radical different thing than the name being baptized by John. That was to make things ready. You are baptized after you believe the Bible does say, believe and be baptized and you'll be saved. But the Bible says far more often believe and you'll be saved. It's the believe part, but baptism follows that. And it's a symbol and, and John's wasn't a symbol. John's was be baptized. This is a sign of you changing. Like if you were Gentile, be going to become Jewish. But for you and me, we are baptized as a symbol of the old man, the old woman going under the water and then coming out in the newness of life. And I like to say, you need to be baptized. And if you go to Calvary Tucson, you can text ready for Jesus to 94,000. That's our new believers card. Even if you're not a new believer, there's a place to tell your story. Just say, I just want to register to be baptized. And then click on you want to be baptized and we'll baptize you. It's an important milestone in your life that you need to do because Jesus told us to be baptized. And I think we could say, if you haven't been baptized, that that would be disobedience towards him. Again, being disobedient to something Jesus says doesn't make you unsaved, but you want to do the things he told you to do. And this is a milestone for our lives on how you and I really have that commitment to him. So thank you, Empress Kimberly. I appreciate that. Good to see you, Tyler, popping on here as well. Keith, thank you for being here for this special hot topic and then this Q&A that would follow it. So um, I'm not going to take time to look up. There's, There's a question here about the definition of works and um i won't be able to click on that link to look up the definition of work um so heath bar sorry um we, we we can all do that on our own remember we're on a truth quest uh this is truth quest podcast 
You get our, our hot topics, our live hot topics now, our Q&As and full-length teachings, and you can subscribe for Truth, Best Codca- Truth Quest Podcast anywhere you get them. Um, but I'm not gonna be able to look up a definition right now, okay? We, we would end up taking way too much time. So um, let's see. All right, so we have a question here from John who joins us from Facebook. Uh, John says, hi, Pastor. Wouldn't it follow that the debate over baptism is used by Satan just as he used God's commandment to Adam and Eve concerning the tree of knowledge, just twisting slightly enough to cause deception? Yeah, John, I think there's a principle in Bible study that we use the clear to understand the unclear. And so when you have a passage like baptizing for the dead, Otherwise, why would we baptize for the dead? I think it says in Corinthians, something along those lines. The Mormons have grabbed onto that because it's an unclear passage. And they now baptize for the dead because of that. But the Bible never says that we can do anything for those who have already died. And so it's something we shouldn't do. And so you've got these unclear passages, um, three of them that I covered today. There's also another one in Galatians, and we will be talking about this again next Wednesday night in our Bible study a little bit, not as much as we have here, but a little bit. And so when, when I think when Satan wants to twist something and get people to put their trust in something else, like the works of baptism or being baptized in the name of Jesus or speaking in tongues to be saved or going to church on Saturday to be saved, he will use passages to twist it. They'll always have passages they can go to, but they will ignore the clear. It's like I said, we've got literally dozens, if not hundreds of passages in the New Testament that tell us how we are saved and that we are saved by believing. So I do believe that there is a deception taking place here. And the sad part is, I'm not saying that people in the Church of Christ are in Catholicism or or Lutherans or Methodists or Anglicans who believe in some form of baptismal regeneration, and they're all different. I'm not saying none of them are saved. Church of Christ, I'm not saying none of them are saved. I'm saying don't put your trust in being baptized. Put your trust in Christ and you will be saved. Call out on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Receive him and then be baptized. And I'm not saying that there are none of them that are not saved, all right? So I just wanted to go ahead and make that clarity. That would be judgment on our part. We don't want to get into judging, but I do believe that Satan wants to twist it. Like for people in the Church of Christ that I have known who knew nothing about saving faith, but they'd been baptized, so they thought they were saved. By the way, I knew a girl in high school who was out doing all kinds of things that were wrong, and I confronted her because she used to go to church at the, the, the Methodist church I went to. And I, I just said, where are you at with Christ now? And she said, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I raised my hand. I went to church. I raised my hand. I walked forward. I gave my life to Christ. But then she walked out and was not living for God. If you're not living for God, then I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying there's a question as to whether or not you're saved. If you raised your hand and you gave your life to Christ, and then you walked out those doors and didn't change. The Holy Spirit didn't transform you. You didn't become a new person. Is there any evidence that you really are saved? And so the Bible says that if you say that you love him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're lying. So real genuine faith will be followed by acts, by by works. But those works do not save you. And that's the difference. All right, John, thank you very much for your question. I appreciate that. Um, so we have a question here from fact, check these hands, fact, check these hands. Good to see you. Joins us from YouTube. Fact, check these hands says, will baptism be preferred for new believers in the millennium or performed, sorry, performed for new believers in the millennium kingdom as it is today, not required, but encouraged or will somehow be obsolete, an obsolete practice. So what's going to actually take place and happen during the millennium has a lot of a lot of shadows around it. It's like the Bible uses the term looking at a mirror dimly. We don't see things really clearly. Uh, I, I, the church has been raptured. 
the the ones who have suffered during the tribulation period have been saved and brought out and and resurrected and i don't know that there will be any more baptism at that point but i do take kind of a, a little bit of an exception to to what you say here a little bit and you might not mean this i just want to point it out um it says will baptism be um preferred for new believers in the millennial kingdom as it as it is today not required but encouraged i'm not going to say that baptism isn't required i think every believer should be baptized it's not required for salvation but it is required that we do the things that jesus said and if you haven't been baptized then be baptized it's this milestone that god wants in your life all right so um so i don't know exactly what's going to happen during the millennium period as far as baptism goes but i do know that christians need to be baptized and this idea that it's not that important is i think something that we really need to get away from so thank you fact check these hands for that i really appreciate that uh, we have a question from daniel mccullough daniel good to see you here in our first live q a hopefully many more to follow questions when john the baptist was baptized in what did it symbolize versus baptism of Jesus's death and resurrection ceremonially cleansing from the jewish tradition so i kind of already answered that question um maybe this was written later on and, I, and i've already answered it so you can go back a little bit but just to give the short answer john baptized that when you wanted to become jewish and you were gentile one of the things you did was be baptized to signify the change of life john baptized people to get them ready to meet the messiah because the kingdom of god was on its way and jesus baptized uh, so that people could be transformed and changed and begin to live for him and remember jesus didn't baptize but his disciples did and then he gave us the command to go out into all the world baptizing in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and living wholeheartedly for him all right so thank you daniel again good to have you here on our very first live um hot topic so um good to see you guys here double question let me see really quick if this has to do with baptism so no it doesn't i'm, I'm just gonna during our live hot topics we're gonna keep the questions related to the topic that we're covering so we do have a question here from gloria about baptism gloria says Hello, Pastor Robert. My question is on Jesus's name only baptism. Why do some Pentecostals believe you are saved if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus only? There are certain passages in Acts where it says that they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And so they say then that that proves that you had to be baptized in the name of Jesus, that you should be saying, I baptize you in the name of Jesus in order to be saved. But we're told at the very end of Matthew to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that the name of Jesus was a summary of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three being God. And you would say the Son. And remember, when you're talking about being baptized in the name of Jesus only, we use the name Jesus. In Greek, it's Isos. In other nations, it's other things. In Hebrew, it's Joshua. So there's nothing magical about the name of Jesus. And um, again, I just think that this is a point of pride. We, we are, we're the only ones who really are baptizing people correctly. And they're telling people, you give great confusion. You're not really saved because you aren't baptized in the name of Jesus. What, what did they say? How, what name did they baptize you in? You're like, I don't know. I was under the water. I couldn't hear. I baptized you in the name of And then I was done. It, we don't baptize people in the name of Jesus. We baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. Jesus is part of the Godhead. And so that's the reference that was made there. Again, you use the clear to, to clarify the unclear, the verses that are unclear. And there are a few other things that United Pentecostals and others teach besides baptizing in the name of Jesus that are really saved um some of them will believe that you're not saved you have to be saved baptized in the name of jesus and you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved all right um i would um i've had people come to me when we're baptizing and say 
my family is part of, you know, United Pentecostal Church. And um, will you baptize me in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus? And I did that for a while. And then I stopped. I stopped and I said, no, because you're being baptized in the name of Jesus by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not like God doesn't know who the Son is, right? God's like, I don't know who that is. It's like people who argue over sprinkled or immersion or poured. Like God's going to, you're going to get to heaven. God's going to go, they sprinkled you and they didn't, didn't dunk you. You're not going, you're not making it into heaven. It's faith in Christ that saves you. Not the way you're baptized or not being baptized at all. All right. So thank you, Gloria. I appreciate your question. Let's just take a few more here and um, we will wrap things up. So, um, so Kimberly Empress kind of brings up a question that's related. Um, question, Pastor, why does there seem to be so many false teachings now? Are these signs of the end or is it just we're exposed to them now more due to social media? Um, so we might be exposed to them more due to social media, but the Bible says in the last days, men are going to heap up for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. And it makes sense that they would deny the way the Bible teaches that you're going to get saved and substitute that with some other way to be able to be saved. The Bible also says that the Spirit expressly says in the last days that some will give heed to deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons. So behind false teachings are actual spirits and doctrines of demons. And this shouldn't surprise us because the Bible says again that his ministers present themselves as ministers of the light, for Satan presents himself as an angel of light. So we shouldn't be surprised that these guys look, talk, act like Christians, but what really matters is what they are teaching and is what they're teaching really orthodox and the way that you give your life to Christ. So I think that's why there's so many false teachings um, today. So let me see if this is about baptism. All right, and I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and go by the ones that are not about baptism. We have a regular Q&A tomorrow at four o'clock. Um, we'll we'll ans answer any questions that you guys have, but this one specifically is about baptism. So here Renee has a question about baptism. Renee says, so if you stayed away and came back to Christ, straight away, straight away and came back to Christ, um, which I did, by the way, at 19 years old, the pastor of the church I attended had an affair with his secretary and I walked away. And I, I there was something in my life that wasn't right. Instead of me handling that properly, it was brutal. I saw firsthand what a scandal does inside of a church. And I left for a year, but God came and got me. I mean, he came and got me. And some, someday I'll do a hot topic on my testimony. And then we can talk about some of the things that are around that. But in my testimony, I have God leaving the 99 and coming after me and doing what he had to do to bring me back to him and to having that really, really close relationship with him. So if someone strays from Christ comes back, do you get baptized once again? If you had already been baptized before and you strayed away, should you be baptized again? Uh, and the answer to that is you don't have to. Now, some people get baptized to make a recommitment. Some people get baptized because they feel like they've, they've drifted away and they want to re-intensify things. Just know you don't have to. And if you feel like I walked away, when, if you walk away, first of all, you're not getting unsaved if you walk away, right? You're still saved. You're still committed your life to Christ. You're still living for him if you walked away. But if you feel like I, I need to be baptized and it's a conscience issue, you're just feeling like if I'm not really serving and following God because I haven't, I haven't been baptized, I'm not really living that wholehearted life for him anymore, then, um, hey, I say go ahead and get baptized. But don't think it's, it's what baptism was originally for which was that symbol of that life change. And you may make you making a life change again, and you may want to do it. And I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying you don't have to. So if you really want to be baptized again, after you make a commitment and you come back to Christ, then I say, go ahead and do that. All right. Thank you, Renee. I appreciate that. Let's take a look here and see if we have any more questions. It's been really good spending this time with you guys. 
uh, really excited about the live um, hot topics. It's a lot more like what I do on a regular basis with regular teaching. Um, all right, so let's just go ahead and um, we have a, a question from Dan. Dan, good to see you. Dan says, um, if you get baptized in another faith, does it matter if you have to get baptized again? What do you mean by another faith? I think this is really important. If you got baptized as a Mormon or you got baptized as a Jehovah Witness, that's another faith. If you got baptized as an infant, I was baptized as an infant. When I gave my life to Christ at 14 years old, I got baptized again because I felt like, well, I needed to. You believe and be baptized. Don't, you're not baptized and then believe. And so infant baptism, I like to say, doesn't hurt you, but it doesn't do what baptism is meant to do, which is to give you that, that point of reference. I have given my life. It is also, it also works as a public commitment to Christ that you believed and now you're baptized and, and getting baptized. It's very strong. Um, but, but yeah, if you've been if you're baptized in a completely different faith then or as a baby, yes, be baptized after you believe. But if you were going to a, um, if you're going to a Baptist church, you got baptized and now you go to Calvary Chapel. No. All right. Uh, if you were baptized after you made a commitment to Christ and it was right, I was baptized in the Methodist church and the pastor, I'd been baptized as a baby. And he told us, uh, there's three of us that you guys don't have to be baptized. You were baptized as infants. And we said, but we believe the Bible says, believe and be baptized. And to his credit, he said, I'll baptize you, which I love that he did that. And so he called a friend of his and I was baptized in a Baptist church by a Methodist pastor after I'd made my commitment to Christ. There may be those who say, you need to be baptized, rebaptized again. No, I don't need to be rebaptized again. That was a baptism that took it. So I'm not sure exactly what faith you're talking about. And it would depend on what faith you had, Dan. Um, yeah, so he says, it's been a Baptist. Yes, no. If you get saved at a Baptist church, a place that teaches the true gospel of Jesus Christ, then you don't need to be baptized again. All right. So we've come to the end of our podcast now. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope this has been helpful and it is the beginning of many live hot topics that we will be doing in the future. Stay close to Jesus. We have a church service tomorrow night in the book of Galatians. Um, we will, no, wait a minute. We have a church service tomorrow night in the book of Luke. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 20 and we're gonna be talking about a prophetic parable that Jesus told about what was going to happen to him. And he has that statement in there, fall on the rock or be, and be broken, or the rock will fall on you and crush you. And we're going to talk about what that is in the message tomorrow night and then Sunday morning. So love you guys. Stay close to Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. It's been good hanging out with you. We will see you next time on Hot Topics and whether it's a regular Hot Topic or our new live Hot topics. All right. So God bless you guys. I'm signing out. We will see you guys later on.